0: Well, good morning. Now, the, the setting of John 14, as you might remember, is the night of the Last Supper. It's uh, the middle of Holy Week. Jesus has come in on the, the high of Palm Sunday. He's coming to the Last Supper, and, and right around the corner, of course, is the agony and, and, and the tragedy of, of Good Friday, with the triumph of Easter just around the corner as well. And Jesus is in the upper room with his 12 disciples, these, these men he spent three years traveling with and sharing his life with. And, and 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 he begins to speak to them. In John chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, Jesus speaks to his disciples all in the upper room all the night before he was crucified on the cross for our sins. Betrayal by Judas Iscariot is so right around the corner. He knows that's coming. The cross is looming. And the first few chapter, the first few um, verses of chapter 14, Jesus tells the anxious, worried group of disciples, because they know something's afoot, and Jesus has been dropping hints. He tells them not to be worried, not to, not to be fearful. He says, trust in me, because I've got a place prepared for you, and I'm going to go to that place, and, and I will bring you to be with me. And then Jesus, Jesus says something that is that is comforted, but also offended many people through the centuries. He says, there's only one way, and I am that one way. And he says in verse 6, no one comes to the Father except through me. Now, after Jesus does that, he makes an incredible promise, a promise that is, that is um, good not just for the disciples in that day, but also for us as his disciples in this day. And that promise is a promise of the coming Holy Spirit, the blessing and the promise of the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit is no doubt a topic of confusion for, for many people, Christians included. Um, God the Father and Jesus the Son, most people kind of say, well, I've kind of got a, a decent understanding of how that works. But the Holy Spirit, that gets a little, bit, a little bit tougher. For some, the Holy Spirit gets third billing in the Trinity. God the Father and Jesus the Son with the top billing. When in fact, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are equal in essence. But what do we say about the Holy Spirit? What does Jesus say about the Holy Spirit in this passage? And certainly there's much to be said than beyond this passage here. And we could preach dozens of sermons about the Holy Spirit. Uh, But our text for today, we're going to drill down and see important insight into the personality and the purpose of the Holy Spirit that Jesus promised and then sent to his disciples. Before we look at it, though, and find these purposes or functions of the Holy Spirit and how it relates to us, uh, let's bow in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we thank you for your word of truth. We thank you, Lord, as you promise that your word will not return to you void, but will accomplish the, the purpose, the reason for which you have sent it. And so, God, today we pray that your word would accomplish the purpose for which you've sent it in our church and in our lives as individuals. Help us now to uh, be aware and sensitive to your spirit's uh, presence and leading, that we might be... Um, shaped and molded more and more into the person of Jesus Christ, into his likeness. Amen. <coughs> Dr. Bill Bright uh, was the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ. He, he died a few years back, but he used to love to, to tell uh, this story, uh, a story about a famous oil field named Yates Pool. Uh, the story goes that during the Depression, uh, this field was a, a sheep ranch owned by a man named Yates. And, and Yates wasn't enough. wasn't able to make enough uh, on his ranching operation during the Depression to pay for the, the, the principal and interest on the mortgage, and so he was in danger of, of losing his ranch. Uh, he didn't have much money for clothes or food, and so his family, like many others during the Depression, had to, to kind of get by with government subsidies. Well, no doubt, day after day, as he would graze his sheep over these rolling West Texas hills... He, he, I'm sure, would have been troubled about his debt. How would he provide for his family when the resources were so lean? And then one day, a seismographic crew from an oil company showed up and and told him there might be, maybe there might be oil on his land. And they asked permission to drill, and he signed a lease contract. At 1,115 feet, they struck a huge oil reserve. The first well came in at 80,000 barrels a day. Many subsequent wells were also drilled and came in twice as large as that one. In fact, 30 years after the discovery of the first well, a government test of one of the wells, just one of them, showed it still had the potential flow of 125,000 barrels of oil a day. And Yates owned it all. The day he purchased the land, he had received the oil and mineral rights. And yet he had been living as a pauper on relief just barely scraping by. The problem? He didn't know the oil was there even though he owned it. He didn't know the vast resources that were available to him. Now, many of us can live feeling we don't have enough. Enough to make it. We don't have enough to meet all the needs and the challenges, the obstacles, the opportunities that life throws our way. And we can feel, begin to feel like we're on our own at the end of our rope. When, as believers of Christ, there's a whole another source, another resource, a provision and power at hand. And Jesus calls it and says it is the Holy Spirit. Let's begin with verse 15. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. Now, for the past three years, the 12 disciples had had the best possible counselor. They had had walked and talked with Jesus. They had observed Him. They had learned from Him. They had heard Him speak profoundly about all sorts of things. They had conversed with Him about life and about death, about forgiveness and and grace and, and judgment and mercy and heaven and hell, about the law, about money, about prayer, about relationships. But now Jesus was saying that he was going to be leaving them. And that must have crossed their minds. What are we going to do now? Who's going to teach us? Who's going to help us? Who's going to be there for us? Who will counsel us? And the answer Jesus gives them, and the answer Jesus gives us, is the Holy Spirit. Now, the first purpose of the Holy Spirit is tied directly into the Spirit's name. In these verses, the Spirit is called the Counselor. And that word counselor in the Greek is used only five times in the entire New Testament, all of them by the Apostle John, four times in his gospel and once in his first letter, 1 John. And the word used is the Greek word parakletos. And it literally means someone who is called alongside, someone who comes alongside. And so the first principle we want to draw out of this is when Jesus left, he sent the Holy Spirit to to come alongside us. Now, in Greek literature, this word was it was used to, to describe an advocate for you in a court of law. Someone who would come alongside and speak on, on your behalf, speak for you in your defense and provide counsel and advice. In verse 16, it's interesting to note that Jesus calls the spirit another paraclete. Now, that doesn't mean that there are two Holy Spirits. What it meant was that Jesus saw himself as a paraclete and that he was a paraclete. Someone who came alongside the 12 disciples in the flesh. Someone who spoke, on their, spoke to them and for them. Someone who provided counsel. And so what Jesus was saying when he says another paraclete, he's saying the Holy Spirit really is a continuation of his life and his ministry and his work and his presence in our lives. Jesus was going to leave earth and the disciples would no longer be able to see him and experience him in the flesh. But Jesus says one would be sent who would literally continue Christ's presence in their lives and in our lives, who would come alongside. You remember the, the hit movie Home Alone? It came out 12, 15, 20 years ago. And the story about a young boy who was accidentally left behind by his family over Christmas break. And he ends up in this huge house in the Chicago suburbs. He's all alone, and he has to fend for himself, including warding off to uh, bungling burglars. He has no resources except for himself, no one to depend upon but himself. Well, the good news this morning is that we do not have to depend solely upon ourselves. The Holy Spirit, Jesus says, is there, is a gift, a blessing to come alongside each one of us who claim the name of Christ. In the book, Healing the Masculine Soul, Gordon Dalby says that when Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as the helper, he had in mind the imagery of ancient Greek warriors. He writes, Greek warriors went into battle in pairs. So when the enemy would attack, they would draw together back to back, covering each other's blind side. One battle's partner was a paraclete, someone who came alongside to offer help. And that's a picture that Jesus wants us to have of the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes alongside, has our back in the midst of life, offering His help and counsel, advocating for us. Verse 26. But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you (coughs) of everything I've said to you. Now, we've all faced big decisions in life. Uh, Maybe a financial decision. Do I buy this house? Do I stretch myself financially? Do I buy this car? Uh, Maybe we have decisions regarding a relationship. Do I pop the question? Or do I say yes? Maybe it has to do with a job or a move. Should I take the job? Should I uproot my family and move? Maybe it has to do with a career choice or, or what college to go to. Just about everybody here has faced one of those decisions, and if they haven't, they will sooner or later. And when we're faced with a big decision, what do we do? We, we look for advice. We look for counsel from a, a friend, a family member, a mentor, a professional, because some decisions simply are too big to make alone. You know, spiritually, we face decisions all the time, every day. Do I listen to the voice of Christ or do I listen to the voice of others? Do I make choices motivated by fear or do I make choices motivated by faith? Will I choose to live generously and sacrificially like Jesus did, or will I choose to live primarily for myself? We have questions about who God is and what he's asking us to do, what he's like, what the Bible means, and so on and so forth. And Jesus knew we would have those questions. He knew that we, just like the disciples, would need someone to teach us and to remind us of his words. And so since Jesus would no longer be present in the flesh, he sends the Holy Spirit to guide us to the truth. Now this purpose of the Holy Spirit, to guide us into truth, has always been very important, but no more so than today. Belief in absolute truth is waning. Statistics show that people in increasing numbers, both young and old, do not believe in absolute truth. On some of the big issues of life, spirituality, ethics, life and death, so forth, uh, there appears to be no black and white, just shades of gray. Situational ethics, in which a person decides what's ethical depending upon the situation, how they feel, what the consequences might be, how people might react, seems to be increasing. And that trend is its disturbing on many levels. And one of the greatest consequences is that more and more people are increasingly unsure and confused about the big questions, the big issues of life. But the Bible asserts that we can know what's true. We can know what is right. God's Word urges us to define our reality and our truth by His truth, not by trends and tendencies. And the Holy Spirit is sent to guide us into God's truth and God's reality. The Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 2, verses 9 and 10, that we can know God's will, truth, and way. Paul says this No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him, but God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. Jesus says much the same thing in in John's Gospel. In verse 17, he says, The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. A couple chapters later in chapter 16, verse 13, Jesus declares this, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. And I found this true in my own life many times. There have been times when I've faced temptation or I've been... Confused about a situation, or what choice should I make, I've been discouraged, uh, about, I'm not sure how I should feel or think about something, and the Holy Spirit is, has come and brought to mind Jesus' words and the words of Scripture to, to remind me about the truth of the situation, to remind me about the truth about myself and about others, and most importantly, the truth about God and His grace. God's word is truth, and one of the primary purposes of the Holy Spirit is to guide us into that truth. Take a look now at verse uh, 27. Peace I leave you, Jesus says. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You know, one of the most striking things about the events of Holy Week, uh, Palm Sunday, the Last Supper, Good Friday and Easter, is the is incredible demeanor and, 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 and attitude that Jesus has. The peace uh, that he exudes. Even in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he's struggling with the temptation to avoid the cross, the end result is peace. Even when he stands as a prisoner before Pilate and Herod, and a chief priest, it soon, becomes, it soon becomes evident that here is a man at peace. And that's the type of peace that Jesus offers us. And so when Jesus left, he sent the Holy Spirit to give us his comfort and to give us his peace. And we can have that peace under any circumstance because of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Even in the midst of conflict, even in the midst of tragedy or struggle or illness or impending death, as believers we can know the peace of Christ. Because you see, peace is not the absence of hardship or trouble. Peace is the presence of God. And Jesus tells us that the Holy Spirit is the very presence of of God. And the Holy Spirit... Jesus promises us in verse 16, will be with us forever. And so what that means for us is that Christ's peace is not only available, but it's possible for each one of us. But we must receive it by obeying the Lord, by walking in this power of the Spirit, and by believing and applying the truth that we're guided to. You know, there are a lot of ways that we can find temporary peace. We can take a tranquilizer, but that's going to wear off after a while, and We can take an escape and go to Kansas City for the weekend and and lose ourselves in activity, but that's just a temporary distraction. It can't give us peace. The peace that Jesus gives and the peace that passes all understanding is not dependent upon our circumstances. It's dependent upon the presence of God through the Holy Spirit within us. You know, one of the most moving passages in English literature comes from Charles Dickens' classic, The Tale of Two Cities. Uh, the story about the, the French Revolution and a lot of characters involved. And in the story, in one passage, <laughs> um, it talks about each day that there would be a procession of prisoners, political prisoners, people who had, who had uh, offended the wrong people. They would be led through the streets of Paris to the guillotine where they would lose their lives. And, and in the story, one prisoner, a man named Sidney Carton, uh, is a man who has found faith in Christ. And he's now giving his life in place of another person, a friend. And as they're proceeding down the streets, there's a young girl with him. Uh, they had met before in the prison, and, and the young girl had noticed the man's gentleness and courage. And so she said to him, If I may ride with you, will you let me hold your hand? I am not afraid, but I'm little, and I'm weak, and it will give me more courage. And so they ride together, her hand in his, and when they reach the guillotine, there was no fear in her eyes. And she looked up into the quiet, composed face of her companion and said, I think you were sent to me by heaven. There will no doubt be times in our lives when we feel alone and we need somebody to come alongside, somebody sent from heaven. And there will certainly be times when we feel unsure and and confused about what to do or to believe or to think and we'll need somebody to, to come alongside and to guide us, to show us the truth. And there will no doubt be times when peace is elusive, when circumstances conspire in our lives to try to rob us of peace. And we will need to know that that God is there and that peace is available to us, the peace that Christ promises that it can be ours. Jesus spoke the words of John 14 to his disciples, but he also speaks them to us. And though we cannot see him and we cannot experience Jesus in the flesh, the truth and the reality... And the promise is is that we can experience him through the Holy Spirit living within us, which is sent, the very Spirit of Christ, to comfort, to guide, and to give us and grant us his peace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we thank you for your Son, Jesus. We thank you for these words and, and the promise of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for that gift. Though Jesus is not with us physically in the flesh, he is with us in a very real way. He is here with us today. He's in our world, and he's in our hearts and lives as his disciples. We thank you that when we are confused, we can turn to you, Holy Spirit. We thank you that when uh, we are confused Afraid or need, we can turn to you, and you'll give us and grant us your peace, Lord Jesus. We thank you for your Holy Spirit, and Lord, now we thank you for the 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 power and uh, and the resources we have available through the Holy Spirit to to go into the world and to represent Jesus at school, at home, at work, uh, uh, throughout our country, and even through the ends of the earth. We thank you, Lord, for your for your Holy Spirit. And we pray, Lord, that we would increasingly be people who know your peace and who share your love. Amen.